Welcome to the Monterey Podcast. For more information, check out our website at montereychurch.com. I don't remember who said this, but uh, it was for parents. It said, the best thing you do in life may not be what you do, but who you raise. And I think that's pretty true for this group. They are a special group of young people. Um, kind of one of the cool things with them is we had COVID together. <laughs> and it wasn't fun because we didn't get to see each other. And fortunately, our elders, and along with us, were able to make some decisions early on. We just said, they need each other. And uh, we got to meet back together early. And they started taking care of each other online. The weirdest part, we had more, we watched... Opposite, uh, episodes of TV shows online together because we miss each other so much. We like watch together and talk and have conversations. We played games online. We hung out together uh, in an online format as much as you could, but then we were like, man, we really need to be back together. And so we started meeting outside with masks and uh, we didn't really social distance very well. Uh, they're teenagers and and that didn't work real well. But we did. We cleaned chairs afterwards, cleaned chairs before. We played games outside. We hung out together in the, the weirdest of ways because we had to. And uh, we made it work, but I think that made y'all closer. Um, some of the, it, what's really weird is some of them, like, had an online personality that we'd never seen before. And uh, they, they always had a personality, I'm not saying that. But then online, they were like this new person and they were funny and like the life of the party when you're online is like, this is weird how this works. And then others who had been like, they loved like just being the center of attention when we were in person. They like, they're like in the corner of the, you know, one of those little boxes and they didn't want to talk. So it's weird how they took on different personalities, but they hung together and they stayed together and they love each other in ways that are uncommon, uh, like a family and... I think I appreciate that most about them. When I was pulling pictures, and I told you, I really, I mean, I'm really not a crier at all. Um, I don't cry. But as I was pulling pictures, I was like sorting through these, and then I have to go and watch Ava start crying. And then I was like, oh, stop, stop. No, I can't take this. And, um, and so I won't call out the others who were crying too. Um, but Ava's more obvious. Um, but when you start looking at that, it's because they love each other and they care for each other in a way that's uncommon. And... Um, and I think that shows in who you are. This morning, I want to share just a short message with you about, um, and really for all of you, um, how I hope God works in your life uh, in the coming days. I want to start with this, though. It says, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Senior Sunday celebration for the class of 2023. We're here today to celebrate the accomplishment of our graduates. After four years of hard work and dedication, these students have achieved something truly remarkable. They have earned their diplomas and now are ready to take on the world. Thank you, ChatGPT. Um, if you don't know what ChatGPT is, it's an artificial intelligence that you type in a subject you want to talk about or whatever you want, and it'll give you all kinds of information. So you can put in, you can put in a sermon topic, and it'll give you a whole sermon. You just tell how many words. Uh, but I don't think Barry's going out of business soon because... This last line doesn't make any sense. It says, they have earned their diplomas and now are ready to take on the world. I'm going to be honest with you for a minute, and I think if we're all honest, 
your diploma is not preparing you for the world necessarily, right? Um, and there's going to be hurdles. There's going to be hard things that come up in life, and you're going to have to deal with those um, along the way. And it just doesn't work that way. Um, and so I want us to, we're going to start with a game. Y'all ready? Because that's going to make me feel better, and then I'll get to laugh. Good. I need, uh, I need at least two volunteers first, and I'll get some more. Um, I'll, I'll get, okay, Cole, you look like a good volunteer. You just got voluntold. And Laura Franklin, come on up here. All right. Y'all can stand on this side if you would. And then I need probably four or five. Let me, let me have, um, let me see. Ryder, you played baseball. Come on up here. Mason, you played baseball a little while. Garrett, you played baseball, obviously. I need some people who can throw hard. Um, Chad, you have long arms, which means you can throw hard, right? <laughs> All right. There's this game we like to play in youth group. It's called Protect the President. The president has never won. So one of you is president and one of you is secret service. Who wants to be secret service? You want to be president? You're secret service? Okay, you look like the secret service type to me. All right. Okay. That was wise, wise decision. Okay, so I don't have it on me because Laura has my wallet, but 20 bucks if you, if you hit her within 10 seconds, okay? Um, no, hit him, excuse me. You have to hit the president. You guys can move at least up to here. That's about it. I mean, all right. Laura, I would look to see who's most dangerous, start guarding, but wait till I say, man, they're eager. Cole, my goodness. All right. And three, two, one, go. Oh, 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 hey, hey, they got him. Okay, thank y'all so much. You two stay here for one second for me, okay? Y'all are way too eager for that. So I would like to say, first of all, these are snowballs. They're very soft. No one was injured in the making of this. There you go. Oh, that almost got, I must get it in the face. Thank you. Um, what if, what if both of y'all were secret service? I'm not going to throw these at you, not right now. But what if we were playing protect the president, but not really protect the president, and it's your mom behind you? Kind of changes everything, right? Play a little harder. Laura was like, there was no protection happening there. But, but if, it's your, if it's your mom up here and she's behind you and it's for real, it changes everything, right? You're going to do everything you can to protect her, aren't you? Everything you can. So y'all hold on to that. Y'all can go have a seat for me. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. So you get to hold on to that feeling of what it would mean to protect your mom like we do protect the president. So life is hard. I want to I show that picture first, if you, are, if you will, John. Sometimes my plan when I follow Jesus is that here's the finish line. I'm over here, and I want this straight line to make it to Jesus. I want to go straight to him. I don't want to no, no hindrances, no, no obstacles, no anything in the way. But God's plan sometimes is different than that. He allows us to go through 
through trouble. He allows us to go through obstacles. He allows us to go through things that are painful, but he doesn't allow us to do it alone, which I think is the amazing part. And for all of you, like, it would be nice to say that diploma, you are ready to take on the world. But the reality is life in this world is not that easy, and it does have obstacles. And so to prove to you that it's possible to clear obstacles, hope is Michael make it, I'm going to not run over that, but I'm going to show you this. No. That's not how it does it. Yeah, Wait, it does it in slow motion. <laughs> the voice, if you didn't hear it, was saying, that's not the way to do it, which was correct. So this morning, I, wanna, I want us to talk about a question. How do, we, how do we live our best life despite the obstacles? How do we go about living a life that honors God, and we face these obstacles, how do we do that? So let's read Romans 7, 15 through 18 together really quick. It says, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do I do not do, but what I hate I do, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature." For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Most confusing verse in all of Scripture, or at least hardest to read. But what it says basically is it asks a question, why do I struggle to follow God? Why is it so hard to do this? Um, I want to follow Jesus, but I also want to live for myself. I want to serve others, but it gets in the way of the things I want to do. I want to, and, and this is like for students, I want to stand up for the kid others pick on, but I don't want to be lumped in and with them and suffer the consequences with them. There's always that I want to do this, but at the same time, I feel compelled to do what I want to do. And part of that has to do with the way we live our lives. So this morning, I want you to think about a few things, and, and this is probably the biggest one. Sometimes in life, when we're following Jesus, when we take our eyes off of him, we begin to drift. Um, we take a trip to LA during the summers. And on the last day, one of the things we typically do is we go to the beach at Malibu. And sometimes we'll rent, almost every time we'll rent kayaks and occasionally we'll rent paddle boards. Um, when you go, they tell you really specific instructions when you go out on the paddle boards. You're right by the pier in Malibu. And so they tell you, if you take a paddle board, because it's harder to get back, you're gonna paddle straight out as hard as you can. And when you get to the end of the pier, you're gonna take a right. And you got, you're gonna go over and you can hang out over there as long as you want. Um, that's great, and then you're going to turn around and you're going to come back. Do not go out and just play at the end of the pier or around the pier um, because you will drift, and no one ever believes it. That's the problem. Like, you tell you a million times, and every time they paddle out, they're just playing, talking, and then the next thing you know, they're all the way down the beach, about as far, you can barely see them, you're like looking that way, and they have to like paddle, but you can't paddle against the current, you just can't do it. And it's kind of like our world, there's so many things going against us. We carry a culture in our pocket that's against God at times. We can use it for other things, but sometimes we just sit and we, we scroll and we see things that we want to do or whatever it is, and it leads us in a place that's not next to God. And so we, we get there and we drift, and it's just drift. And we move away from God. And then they have to paddle in eventually and they have to walk all the way down the beach because we didn't say, okay, I'm going to focus. I'm going to get out. I'm going to go this way. Um, several times when I was a child, I thought my parents had left me at the beach because we would go 
Uh, we went to Port Aransas every summer of my life. You go out and you're playing, your parents say, hey, stay where I can see you. And then like you float down, you, you drift all the way down here and you get out and it's like, my parents left me at the beach and you're sad. Um, or I was sometimes. Um, but the reality is they didn't leave me, I drifted. Um, this morning, I wanna share a couple things with you um, that have to do with this. I think sometimes we drift, but I think sometimes we just make a decision to say, I'm okay with this. I'm not gonna follow God in that. And both of these have something to do with what we're gonna talk about today. I have a pr- favorite proverb. It's Proverbs 26, 11. It says, as a fool returns to his folly, so a dog returns to his vomit. It's kind of gross. It's gross to have that as your favorite verse, right? I'm a youth minister. Um, so, but it means something. It really does. It says, so as a dog, so as a fool returns to his folly, a dog returns to his vomit. When we see that, we're like, why does a dog do that? We have no understanding of why a dog would go back to what it just threw up. But for us, sometimes we, have, we live in this mess and we do stuff and we get away from God and we start to, to drift. And then we, then we say, oh, but I'm gonna go back to it. And everybody's like, and, and God's like, are you sure that's what you wanna do? Um, and that was written by the wisest man to ever live besides Jesus, Solomon. It's not, it's not your grandma saying, be careful, don't do the wrong thing. Um, so this morning, I want to share a couple things with you. If I really, this is the question that pops into my head. If I really want to follow God, but I struggle staying on course, how do I do this? How do I really seek God and how do I stop returning to the vomit? And I think there is an answer. Um, but before we get there, are any of you directionally challenged? Just a little bit. Some of you, like you can't find your way around town. No one's going to admit it. It's okay. It's okay. Everybody knows who you are. Don't elbow anybody. Leave, leave people alone. Some people are directionally challenged. Um, Stacy and Donna, um, who go to LA with us, they know them really well, directionally challenged, and also argue with each other. Um, we put all the addresses where we're going to go when we're in LA, and it's hard to find, your, admittedly, hard to find your way around LA. You're not just going to get there, but you have a GPS. And so one day, I get a call from Donna. She said, um, we're supposed to be at the center, but we put in the address for, for Hope Church, and we're a long way away. And I was like, okay. And they argued the entire way back as they put in the right address. But our hearts are like a GPS. If we put in the wrong coordinates, we go to the wrong place. If we put in things that don't belong there, if we put in places that we don't need to go, then we're going to, that's where we're going to go. And so I think for a lot of us, we, we put ourselves in this situation where we fill ourselves, not intentionally, with the stuff of this world, and we're not intentional about our hearts. So this morning, kind of the challenge to you, but to everybody is this, guard your hearts. Guard your hearts, for it is a wellspring of life. Um, It's a powerful verse, because it says your heart, everything you do and everything you are comes from it. Um, There's two questions that that I like to ask that help keep me on course. One is, what are you allowing to get into your heart? What is it that you take in? Are you taking in things you shouldn't take in? Is it, and I'm going to sound like your grandma for a minute. You're going to go, this is kind of legalistic. Maybe so, but I think if I'm going to guard my heart, and this applies to me as well. I, I'll tell it in short fashion, but I loved, loved the show Ted Lasso. Loved the show. And I'm sorry if I, I'll confess in front of you if you need me to. It's fine. It's terrible. It, it's, this year, I was watching season three, and it just got worse and worse, the content and the content and the content. Laura, a few weeks ago, um, she came in and I was, it was more than, I guess it was like a month and a half ago. And I was, 
I was watching it and I totally ignore her when it's on. She's like trying to talk to me about her day. I was like, I take 30 minutes a week. This is the only show I ever watch. I don't watch any shows. This is a show I watch. And she's like trying to talk to me. I was like, really? I'm, you see Ted Lasso's on. And then I was watching it for the last time and I was like, I can't watch this anymore. It's taking me to places I don't need to go. And if you don't like that, I'm sorry. I'm just joining you in it. Um, the reality is I want to guard my heart. And part of it had to do with the fact I was trying to be flexible and moldable in my, in my mind and my heart because I was reading this scripture a few days before I watched that episode. And it said, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. That's how important it is. That's huge. The second question I like to ask is who is in your circle? Who is it that you surround yourself with? Because you can surround yourself with two kinds of people. You can surround yourself with people who will help you to grow and to develop, or you can surround yourself with people who will just agree with whatever you do. Uh, people that will, uh, will basically just say, oh, that's okay, that's okay. And when you find people who agree with you, you can go with them and be happy and still be okay. But if you find people who will disagree with you and add into your life and say, hey, I really think you should do this instead of that, because I think it's important with your relationship with God. Then you found some people that can help. There's two scriptures that have to do with this. 1 Corinthians 15, says, bad company corrupts good character. Another version said, bad company corrupts good morals. But also as true as this, Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So is this really that important? Let's go back to the feeling you had earlier when we were playing protect the president. And at first it snowballs and fun, right? We're just like trying to hit her and Laura's going, oh, don't hit Cole. But if it's your mom on the other side of that or if it's something important to you that you're guarding, it changes everything. And I think Solomon said, guard your hearts above all else. Would you put that verse up for us? Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. I don't want you to sleep on this above all else. Solomon says this is the most important thing you can do. There's one other question that I think is important, and it really kind of goes outside of those. The question is, where? Where are you going? Where are you following Jesus? And are you following Jesus? When we do, he takes us to places that we don't expect, and he takes us to, to do things that we're not normally going to do. But I think with Jesus, there's something that happens. Transformation happens through proximity, relationship, friction, and grace. I'm going to repeat this for you real quick. Proximity, you have to be close to Jesus. Relationship, you need to be in, in relationship with him. These next two are kind of different. Friction, you have to allow him to be close enough to you and allow him to, to be a part of your life enough that he begins to change who you are. I'm gonna tell you how geeky I was when I was a kid. I had the worst hobby of all times. It was rock. Uh, I collected rocks and I polished them. I know, you can make fun of me as much as you want. Um, but I would, we would find rocks and they, were, they looked like dirt, right? They just looked terrible. And you put them in these little canisters with different kinds of sand. And the first sand is a real grainy sand. And you put the rock in there and it tumbles it on a little tumbler for days. Um, and it just turns real slow, turns real slow. And then you take it out and then it looks, well, it still looks like dirt. But then you put it in the next canister and the sand gets a little bit finer. Put it on, days and days and days. 
comes out, oh, it's starting to look like something. And then you put it in the last one, it has this really fine grain sand. And you let it just tumble and tumble and tumble. And what it does is when you pull it out of the last one, you've got a shiny rock. I mean, it's only taking you 10 days, but you have a shiny rock. In our lives, we have to allow Jesus to be so much a part of our lives that what he does with us is he begins to change our lives. And it needs to be continual. It can't be this one-time decision. And for all of us, like this is something that should challenge, it challenges me every day to decide, am I going to be in proximity with Jesus so close that he can change me? Am I going to be in relationship with him so I trust him? Am I going to allow friction between he and I and be moldable and flexible so he can change who I am? And lastly, in that part, am I going to allow his grace to cover me when I stray and I'm going to be able to go back into a relationship with him and stay in that relationship because he never leaves it. But am I going to allow that to happen? Jesus becomes more and more a part of us as we surrender to him and he joins us in the process. But it takes surrender on our part. That's the next thing it takes is surrender. Um, there's another verse that we have real quick. It's Romans 12 too. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Like we have a world around us that's awesome, and there are lots of great things in it, and God wants you to, to enjoy so many of those things. Well, really, all things in the way he intends. He says, but do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't let this world tell you who you are. Don't let this world make you into its image, but it says be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and that's by joining with Jesus where he is. Um, at some level, we all resist control, and we don't want to allow Jesus to be able to change us sometimes. Um, as three-year-olds are often saying, you're not the boss of me, um, we do that with Jesus sometimes, like, you're not the boss of me, uh, and I do that with Laura when she tells me to do stuff. Uh, I say, you're not the boss, and it's true, she's not her head, yes, you're not the boss of me, and she says, no one would want to be your boss. Um, and so we, we have that agreement. But the reality is we have to be willing to give up and let Jesus be the boss, to give our surrender to him. Um, and so I want you to think about something with me for a second. A lot of times we think of the hurdles in life, like the big things that come up. I'm graduating and I'm not ready to live into this life yet. I'm not ready to leave. I'm not ready to do that. Um, or I have family issues, or I have something else. I want to bring out something else real quick, so I'm going to disappear for a moment. But I think, as believers, our hurdles really aren't our hurdles. I think those struggles that we have are not really our struggles because Jesus joins us in those. I think our biggest struggle is our comfort. When we sit and say, I'm okay. And we don't allow Jesus to stretch us and grow us. Like we say, I'm okay with just going to church and I read scripture and I do those things. And those are all awesome. But you can do those and not follow Jesus. And so I think our biggest hurdle becomes this. I think one of the times I really see Jesus do what he does in your hearts as a youth minister is when you're challenged to go outside your comfort zone. This last year, when we were in L.A., saw a couple of things happen. One in particular, we were at Skid Row, and we were doing a cookout one night. And one of the things we would do is um, 
would go out into the neighborhood and just have conversations with people we'd met during the week and invite them over to, to the cookout we were doing. It was just hot dogs and uh, hamburgers, and people were lined up for around the corner, it seemed like. And uh, we're all there, and this stuff is going on. And it's a, it's a weird night in L.A. because it's really chilly out in the summer, and that's not normal. But one night it was super, it was super chilly. Uh, that, that night, and they were out talking to him, and Ava and Ryder um, and Kristen left were all having a conversation with a young lady named Angel. They were sharing lives and talking about um, just, just life and having fun together. And at that time, they realized there's, there's something to this conversation, but the Angel's really cold, and she doesn't have a jacket on. Her, her uh, tent's been stolen. And uh, she's, she's there alone. She said, I don't have any of those things. And we're calling them all back to go back over to the other side with us uh, to prepare to, to serve the meal. And Ava and Ryder are walking back across, and I wasn't with them. But according to the conversation that I heard is they're walking back across, and they realize Angel's going to be cold that night. And they decided to love their neighbor as themselves. And if I don't want to be cold, I don't want her to be cold. So they're walking back across, and Ava said, do you think I should give Angel my sweatshirt? And Ryder said something like, do you feel like God's calling you to do that? She said, yes. So she took off her sweatshirt, and she decided to freeze the rest of the night while Angel was warm. In the group that night, we decided to pitch in money together and buy a tent and a sleeping bag and all the stuff that Angel would need to be warm at least for a night and try to get that back to her. And I think that's how we're changed because we allow God to change us when we follow him. And that's where the friction happens and the grace and the growth because we see others the way Jesus sees them. This group, I I think there's something special about you guys because you see people the way Jesus sees people. You care about people. You love your neighbor as yourself. And when you do that, Jesus changed you more and more into his likeness. And it's not about the music I listen to, but that's important. And it's not about necessarily um, who I hang out with, all that's super important. I think God uses those to protect our heart, but God transforms our heart when we're in relationship with him and when we allow that grace to cover us. And I think that's one of the things that happens. Greg Boyle is the founder of Homeboy Industries and he says this about it. He says, you go to the margins not to make a difference because then that's about you. You go to the margins so that the folks at the margins make you different. And I think that we've been made different because of the people we've come in contact with and we've allowed that to happen. On Wednesday, we asked a question um, to our seniors. We do a senior panel on Wednesday nights and we ask this question. We asked a bunch like, what's your favorite memory? And some of those are embarrassing. Uh, or, you know, what it, like a ton of questions that were just funny. But then the last question was this, how has God changed you in the past few years? And I wrote something different than I had written before because I want to quote one of our teens. The question was, how has God changed you? And Mason told the story. Mason's my kid. Um, so, Golly, um, 
he's been going to Skid Row with me for a long time, like at different times. I go several times during the year because I know people and love people, and we had to deliver some Christmas presents. It was around Christmas time, and Mason and Laura had not been there. Like, I've been there, and I'm, I'm, I just walk around. It's, I'm too comfortable, probably. Um, and so we're walking around, and Mason, um, Mason and Mom, he's, I'll, I'll tell how he told it for a second. So my dad, who's ADHD, um, went off and left us, um, and me and my five-foot self and my mom, who's still five-foot, um, were standing there in the middle of Skid Row and uncomfortable and a little bit nervous. He, he didn't admit this, but a little bit nervous, a little bit, and Laura was probably more so, like, nervous about where I had left them. I was right around the corner. I didn't just abandon them, but in his story, I did. So I'll go from that, that point of view. So I left them. I abandoned them. They were there and uncomfortable, but he said, this. He said, you live and change and grow in the uncomfortable until it becomes comfortable. And here's how it happened. Crucio, who's a good friend of ours down there, um, they're walking through um, Skid Row and he's got some of the adults who've never been down there. And so Crucio, who actually used to live on Skid Row and, and actually sold drugs and did all the things, and he's one of the people who's helped us to change and to be different. And we've helped him to be different and, and love Jesus in a different kind of way. And um, they're walking and Mason's with that group. And he said, hey, Mason, you've been here before. Will you, will you take this group over to, uh, I think it was probably Catch 21 at the corner of 6th and Gladys. Will you take him over there? And Mason's like, okay. And he's like leading one of the groups over there. And that's when he said, I realized that God has changed me because the uncomfortable has now become comfortable. And that's where Jesus takes us. And for his kingdom to come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, our kingdom has to diminish. Our kingdom has to diminish. The kingdom of me has to diminish in order for the kingdom of God to grow. And that means I have to become comfortable in the uncomfortable and I have to get outside of myself. And so here's the challenge to you. This year, you're going to be tempted to be comfortable. And maybe you won't have people pulling and stretching you to be uncomfortable. You take the initiative to be uncomfortable. You, be, you take the initiative to follow God where he leads because Jesus will take you places where you'll never go on your own when you'll follow him. And we pray that you'll do that this year.